tried to uh, I tried to push it away. Um, and that feeling really came over me more clearly after I spoke it uh, on Baptist Day a few months ago. Um, the week after that, I went to Brother Kerry and I told him what I was feeling. Um, the problem, the problem was, I was unsure how to be certain. But I, but all I knew was I couldn't ignore it anymore. I told Kerry that whatever God wants me to do, I'm going to at least be obedient and open to Him. And what I've been looking for over the last few months is clarity. As I've worked through this, Kerry has been unbelievably supportive of me and by mentoring me and helping me find that clarity. And I can't thank him enough. And of course, Missy has also supported me and stood behind me too. And I thank her because it's not an easy thing to do. So... What I'd ask you today is that you please pray for me as well. As I continue on this journey, please pray. Please pray for Missy and please pray for my children. Because Satan has already tried to make me doubt myself and I know he won't stop there. This afternoon I want to tell you a little bit about the journey I've been on over the last few months and hopefully encourage you in whatever journey you're, you're in with your relationship with God. This might sound like a bit of a testimony, but I'm, I'm trying to. I'm going to work it into a message, so stick with me. Um, after I've sought clarity from God, or as I've sought clarity from God, I prayed. I poured into my Bible study, read some books that Carrie let me borrow, and looked for support from both Carrie and Missy. And I'd like to tell you about a scripture that really spoke to me about the fact that Jesus' sacrifice is more than enough to cover all of our sins and all of our failures and our deficiencies and how that helped me rely on him during this time. So the title of this message is Jesus is More Than Enough and it's in Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 through 16. Um, and I'll try to make three points from this as we go through it, but the first is God. God's rest is available to all. Second, Trust and acceptance in Jesus is our rest. And third, Jesus is our great high priest. So like I've said, for weeks now, I've been pouring into my Bible more than ever before. I've been a Christian for a long time, but I've looked at reading my Bible as a brief task to complete and check off my day. Thinking about my past Bible study commitment, I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 where Paul tells the Corinthians, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you are not yet ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready. I have to admit I've been a baby in the word for far too long. Maybe you are too. But over the last six months or so, I've had this desire to not just read my Bible more, but to really dig into the word and know God better from it. And more recently, after I told Kerry about this feeling of being called into ministry, he gave me several books to read about, about being called by God. Um, reading my Bible and studying these books and praying for clarity have, been, have all been great help. 
But during that time, Satan also crept in, like he always does, and tried to make me doubt. While I was reading these books on being called, there was a common theme, and actually Carrie spoke about it this morning, that men who are called into ministry have an enormous responsibility because they are held to a higher standard. Those that truly called, those that are truly called don't want to fail and damage the church's reputation or witness. And I felt that weight. I felt that weight even thinking about, admitting out loud, that I feel called. The pressure I put myself under in the search for clarity was welling up in me to the point that I was beginning to feel like maybe I'd made a mistake. You see, Satan was trying to tell me that I wasn't worthy to be used by God, and I would fail even before I tried. And I bet at some point in your life, he's told you the same thing too. There are too many examples of God using ordinary and flawed people in the Bible to believe this lie from Satan, but too often we fall for it anyway. One night, thinking about all this, it had reached a tipping point in my mind. I was having lunch with Carrie the next day, and I decided I was going to tell him that maybe I was mistaken. So I tried to go to sleep. And one thing I've learned over the last few months is that when God really wants to talk to you, you won't be able to truly rest until you both connect. So I woke up in the middle of the night, and I began praying. And feeling like I wasn't hearing anything, I began reading my Bible, uh, the Bible app on my phone. Um, I read through First and Second Timothy. I read through Titus, Philemon, and then I got to Hebrews. Um, I read the first three chapters, and then I got to chapter 4. And let me tell you, at 3 a.m., I was having a hard time really understanding the first four chapters of Hebrews. That's not the best book to read in the middle of the night. So I began looking at some study Bibles and guides. And when it finally clicked for me, and I understood what these verses were referring to, it was a, break, it was a breakthrough moment for me. So I'd like to, for us to walk through those verses now. And I want to explain why they affected me so much that night. I hope my experience can somehow help you understand why Jesus is more than enough when doubts arise in your walk with God. So now that I've finally gotten to the scripture I wanted to talk about, um, my first point is God's rest is available to all. Would you turn with me into Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 1? Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. For we also, for also we have received, I'm sorry, for also, jeez, okay, let me start over. For we also have received the good news just as they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we have believed, for we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest, even though his works 
have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way, and on the seventh day God rested from all his works. Again, in that passage, he says, They will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience. He again specifies a certain day today. He specified this, speaking through David after such a long time. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Okay, now you might be wondering why I was having a hard time understanding Hebrews. But, like I said, I looked in a study app and I was reading through it and I finally understood what it meant. Um, In verses 1 through 8, the writer of Hebrews is reminding the Jewish Christians of the failures of the Israelites to, to receive the rest God promised in Canaan after he delivered them from the bondage in Egypt. They were promised Canaan as a form of rest in God after their bondage, but they wouldn't believe it was right there for them for the taking as God told them. All they had to do was believe God's messenger, walk in and take their inheritance. Does this sound familiar? Just like the Israelites from the Old Testament, the Jews failed to believe in the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, and a permanent new rest from work, a works-based religion and in a new covenant of a faith-based relationship and trust. God provided a promised land and a promised rest to the Israelites, but they would not believe the messengers that went out before them who saw the promised land and just, and just like them, the Jews would not believe Jesus was the promised Messiah when he was right in front of them. A second point is trust in, trust in Jesus is our, trust in Jesus, or sorry, trust and acceptance in Jesus is our rest. Verse, in verses 9 through 11, it says this, Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fail into this same pattern of disobedience. These verses tell us that God has given us a promised rest in his son Jesus as the Messiah. And this has replaced the reliance on works as our salvation. In the, in the middle of the night a few weeks ago, in the middle of the night a few weeks ago, as I was struggling to feel worthy, and I read... A Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. It was like a fire was lit inside me. First, you must understand, I was tired, I was stressed, and Satan had convinced me to lie to myself and tell Carrie the next day that what I actually felt, I really didn't feel. Isn't that what Satan tries to do every single time God says something to us. He tries to make you doubt, but when I needed to hear God the most, 
I had what I can only describe as a Holy Ghost moment. I had built up in my mind that somehow I wasn't worthy to be called into ministry. And maybe you've built up in your mind that you're not worthy to be used by God for some purpose. He's called you to. And you know what? The truth is, we're not worthy by ourselves. We're completely inadequate. But thank God, Jesus is more than worthy. As I laid in bed and read those words, I felt two things simultaneously. I felt this warm feeling come over me, and I felt like a huge weight had been taken off my chest. And it was an, ex- it was an experience I hope I never forget. I met Carrie the next day, and I told him I was more sure than ever that I was following through with whatever God wanted me to do. What these verses meant to me was that God has provided the perfect sacrifice for our sins and we can permanently rest from the impossible burden of a works-based religion and rely on a faith-based relationship by trusting Jesus as our perfect sacrifice. I completely missed that. Um, And the third point, Jesus is our great high priest. Verse 12 through 16 says, For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Therefore, since we have... Sorry, I am doing a terrible job keeping up with these slides. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way we are without, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. We're not worthy because we were never meant to be worthy on our own. Only Jesus is worthy. And when Satan lies to us and tells us we're not worthy to have a relationship with God, or we're not worthy to be used by God, you can tell him he's right. But Jesus is, and that's who goes before us and intercedes on our behalf to the Father. In verse 16, when it says, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, it means that we can let go of the burden of a works-based religion because of grace when we truly understand when we tr- oh, sorry. when we truly understand the worthy the worthiness of Jesus and our unworthiness we will appreciate what God did for us much, on a much deeper level I hope this somehow spoke to you in some way and I pray that you never feel unworthy to be used by God when he's called by you 
or when he's called you. I hope this somehow helped you in, in your walk with God. And I want to thank you for listening to me ramble on here tonight. Um, but let me close in prayer. Father, I pray that everything said here today demonstrates what an awesome God we have, the privilege of serving. Thank you for loving us and continuing to allow us to find our rest in you. Thank you for wanting a relationship with us. And I pray that somehow, some way, that this message inspires others to listen for your call and to serve you in some way and not allow any doubt from Satan to enter into our hearts. I thank you and I praise you for all you, the many things you do for us. And it's your, in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pray for him. Please come down. Put your hands on him. We're going to pray for my brother. Okay.
Father God, we come before you this evening with a humble heart. God, thanking you for who you are, the power that's in your word, the power that you have. The fact that you call up leaders within the church. And God, you call up servants. You call up people to share the gospel. God, you put charge in front of us. And God, we lift one up to you this, this evening. God, we lift Jason up to you. We place him in your hands, Father, because we know that, that Satan will try to attack him. He'll try to disrupt him. But God, he's, he's had this burning desire for some time. And God, he wants to serve you and he wants to serve you in what he feels is the call of ministry. And God, I praise you for that and I thank you for that. And Father, I pray as, you, as Jason moves forward that you would draw him so close to you, God, that be, nothing could get in between him and you. And God, that, that, that Satan couldn't drive a wedge in there at all. And God, he would be right next to you. Father, as a church body of believers, God, I just pray that we would support him. We would pray for him. We would encourage him. And, Father, we would move forward with him throughout this process. God, we lift it up to you today, and I thank you for who you are. I thank you for Jason's commitment, his willingness to stand before the church, his willingness to sell, uh, tell what he's feeling, and, God, to, to be able to move forward with it. I pray that you bless him. I ask you bless his family, and you bless his ministry. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.